This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Welcome to the show. I'm Sean Drothar. Sandy Clough is on my left. Danny Bailey in the booth. If you want to interact at any point, the phone number is 303-831-1340. You can call or text. Sandy, we'll start with, uh, well, we have a choice. We can, we can talk about a football team that uh, has lost all their games or one that hasn't lost any games. I think we'll start with the latter, where the Colorado Buffaloes head to Eugene, Oregon, to take on the Ducks. They are a three-touchdown underdog it is a a substantial gap and they won't have travis hunter of course which is a problem when the team you're playing is averaging 58 points per game uh, and at home for the buffaloes at no point are they expected to win this game they are not even necessarily expected uh, to come close in this game and perhaps even the absence of travis hunter gives them uh, a bit of an excuse if they at least cover. I mean, I I, th- I think if the Buffaloes are beaten by 14 to 17 points, even though that would cover, I think that looks like a pretty bad loss. And I actually just think Oregon is that much better. What do you think of Deion Sanders' statement this week? And it's the first time I've heard him critique his team. And uh, quite seriously, and in my view, quite accurately by saying that we have not played a complete game yet. Mm-hmm. Our defense is hot garbage uh, when our offense plays well. When our defense plays well, uh, the offense is out of sync. I don't think those were exact words, but you get the idea. And he said our special teams have not been special. That was a general critique of the first three games. That yeah. was no game in particular. Our special teams have not been special. And I more and more think Deion Sanders has a great sense of the week-by-week dynamics. And while it isn't necessarily a statement of concession, it is a statement of acknowledgement that, Perhaps even in Deion Sanders' mind, the Buffs deserve to be heavy underdogs. I can't imagine the last time that a top-20 team, undefeated, was a three-touchdown underdog anywhere, anytime, to anyone. But that is the position in which Colorado finds itself. And, yes, Oregon is a top-10 team, ranked 10th. Mm-hmm. It's not like Colorado is unranked or outside of the top 20 even. Nope. Colorado is nine spots, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. They are nine, behind are 19. Oregon, and yet they're a three-touchdown underdog to a team that has, in fact, won 26 of its last 27 games in Eugene and has given up, and this is bigger than the 58 points per game they're averaging this year because they got 81 points against Portland's and were accused by many, even people who like them generally as a team, of running up the score in Portland State. They left Bo Nix in there forever and ever before taking him out. I I don't know what the point of that was. But even more more impressing uh, than all of the one-lost 
numbers that they have accumulated while playing at home. 58 points per game. Number three in the country in total offense, averaging 587 yards per game, is the fact that over that 27-game stretch at home, in which they've gone 26-1, and they've given up 18.8 points per game. The Only 18.8. Yeah. <laughs> they've the played some defense. They're not known for that, but they have played good defense, at least at home, over the last 27 home games, and that covers... Four years? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Parts of five, maybe? You asked about the idea of being the underdogs, and I actually have that for you. This makes Colorado the fifth largest underdog in a conference game Mm -hmm. over the past 25 years by an unbeaten top 20 team. Yeah. Uh, That's it. You, as always, And four of those five were number one teams. You know, four of those are number one teams. Uh, FSU in 99, Alabama in 2012, Florida State again in 2013, uh, Georgia just in 2021 when they were against Kentucky yeah. and Clemson in uh, right. 2018 against right. NC State. But that's the only time that but, but, these but conference see, games these are These are powerhouse teams. programs right. who are number one, as you number say, one, in the country yeah, at number the time. One Not number one four out of the five. Not number ten, number mm-hmm. one. And so uh, and the coaches are killing each other with kindness uh, all week. Uh, Dan Lemming saying nice things about Deion Sanders and vice versa. Uh, Sanders was asked the other day about the remarks Lemming made, which as motivational ammunition is concerned, kind of pale in comparison to what the other things that have been said about CU this year, because Lemming was, in fact, although it was a statement that proved to be at least somewhat hypocritical. Uh, yeah. He was talking about past CU teams. And he wasn't I mean, really nothing wrong. Nothing to do with Deion Sanders, and he wasn't wrong. Lanning talked about As this. As a football program in yeah. the Pac-12, CU has so done nothing. not done anything. And he's right, but the idea was he said it as dismissing, so what if CU leaves, of course, while Oregon had well, one no, out no, the door. Well, no, no, but that's, that's, that's a different issue than, as they say up in Boulder, making it personal. Right. It was in no way a personal knock on Deion Sanders. In fact, but it Deion was Sanders an not coached the game yet. That, that, Without coaching the game yet, yeah, they wouldn't uh, and, even you know, be talked about as they, moving. They wouldn't, they wouldn't be moving, right? And I, I think if that was, <laughs> that was his intent, kind of directly to say, well, they're moving because they have Deion Sanders now as coach, and Deion Sanders makes them viable. It certainly is not anything they've done in the Pac-12. So if now he didn't say any of that, but. In my mind, and I've said this before on this program, there are two reasons Deion Sanders was hired. One is obvious, and it's played out even beyond CU's wildest expectations. Yeah, oh the, yeah. The the uh, uh, marketing genius that Deion Sanders is has produced an incredible rise in merchandise sales, mm-hmm. and it has also resulted in the first time ever the University of Colorado selling out all of its home football games. Yeah. That's never happened and before. And this game against Colorado State the was the most watched night game that ESPN's that, ever had, the fifth correct. biggest game they've ever had. But and, by, you know, that latest start, and, fifth most watched game and ever. And by comparison, CUCSU on ESPN Saturday night, starting at 10.20 Eastern time and ending well after 2 in the morning. In week three, Beat a 2022 late October game between number four Ohio State and number seven Penn State that was played in mid-afternoon. 
by 1 million viewers, 9.3 to 8.3. This is the number four and number seven team last year playing in mid-afternoon and drawing 8.3 million viewers compared to a week three CU-CSU game in which CU is favored by 23 and a half points. Late, late on a Saturday night. You can't start a game in college no. much later than CU and CSU started the other night, and it drew one million more. And it actually people. got pushed back even 10 minutes. The kickoff right. got pushed well, back. That's the what previous I'm game it's, on television was still going on. at 10.20, not 10, yeah. 10.20 Eastern time. That's about as late as you can start a college football game that's nationally televised. So we have all that. That's one. And two is the fact that without Deion Sanders, Colorado would have not drawn any interest from the Big 12 or any other major conference. Truthfully, no. No. They would have been left. They would have been with Oregon Oregon State and Washington State. Basically nothing because Oregon State and Washington State, while they may not have a home right now, they're viable. They're two ranked teams. Somebody's going to want them some way, somehow. If Colorado were even compared to last year, better this year, but didn't have Deion Sanders, people would shrug and say, let them go fend for themselves. They're four and eight. By any measurement, this season has been. Or three and nine or two and ten. Yeah, it's been a success because, look, uh, ESPN at the beginning of the year, we know that they're over under on in Vegas in in wins was three and a half, which we told everyone was ridiculous. You should take that over, and um, they haven't hit it yet. But I still like their chances. But ESPN was even less bullish. Their analytics department had CU with the fewest projected wins in FBS football with two point seven. It took them the bare minimum of games even possible to surpass that. So regardless of the way you look at it and say, are they going to finish in the top 10, top 15? No, they're not. But this season has absolutely been a success. Probably won't they have, finish in the top 20. No. But. And they have they have exceeded expectations. Right. But more than that, what they've done is they've captured the attention of the college football world and the sports world in general. And earlier today on, on Get Up on ESPN, former quarterback Dan Orlovsky had a pretty good comparison of the last time yeah. – that he could think of that a college team basically, I mean, look at who was at the game. You had, you had The Rock, and you had Little Wayne taking them out. You had, and you had Master NBA P, players. You had and you Giannis. Had you had, you, yeah, you had everybody there. And the last time there was a cultural movement attached with a college team, it's been a while, but Orlovsky had a comparison. Yeah, it's like the Fab Five. You know, for Michigan, when they kind of came onto the scene, it was like, hold on. The, the black shoes with the black socks, the, the baggier shorts that we all as kids wanted to start to dress like that. And it didn't make, you know, like for me, Harry, and this is always like interesting to say on TV, like it didn't make anyone uncomfortable. It, it, it was more like an embrace in a cultural embrace. And I think that's kind of what it feels like with Colorado right now is just being honest. No matter what you look like, you're leaning into it. You're enjoying it. You're embracing it. You're running towards it. Yeah. And I think that's one of the coolest aspects of what's going on with Colorado. And, you know, it's a good point because you can say what you will about Deion Sanders or whether this will last or who knows what. But Sanders, despite, you know, the whole primetime mentality that he's had forever and now Coach Prime, actually does generally speak 
rather transparently. You talked about it. You gave the quote at the beginning of the uh, the, sh- the show about him kind of pointing out uh, very clearly and not mincing any words about how his team was never hitting on all cylinders yet, and they haven't been able to. The the idea of when talking about making things personal, yeah, Dion's great at getting bulletin board material. But you know what he's also pretty good at? Not giving it. So he's not really uh, talking a lot of stuff about other programs. He's generally very complimentary about other programs, no and matter what, and other coaches all the time. So there is this positivity surrounding the, the program. And then the most important part of it, to be honest, is it's really fun to watch. Well, it's fun to watch, and he has not all the time. And I, I, I think people are, as often happens in our society these days, on the far end of the spectrum, one way or the other, Either he's never serious or he's always serious. And the truth is that there is at times a kind of wink and a nod where you know he's not being entirely serious. And in fact, his lines are pretty funny. I laughed when I was watching the CBS 60 Minutes piece uh, when he was asked who the best coach in America is. And he asked, Give him here. But, he, have a but he all but winked but he, while saying he was, it. He, he even tipped he was, his head he to the kidding. side while he said and it. And he obvious. went on and he did answer the question. Mm-hmm. And his answer was Nick Saban. And he showered Saban with phrase, says, uh, praise. He said he, uh, every time he does that Affleck commercial with uh, Nick Saban, every year he learns something from Saban. And Saban has accomplished uh, things that uh, Dion. Sanders, by his own admission, will not accomplish or certainly hasn't accomplished to this point. So he did answer the question, but he got a good line off, which I I think people who take him too seriously and miss the fact that he has a sense of humor. Yeah. because people aren't used to coaches there's, having, there's having a P- great sense right. of there's one. There's partly that, and there's the other part that Deion Sanders is part P.T. Barnum. Well, that's yes. just That's partly who he and is. here is the other essential point made brilliantly by Dan Walken in his front page USA Today sports section column. Our friend Dan Walken, who used to work uh, around here, and I've known Dan for oh, longer than either of us would like, I suppose. <laughs> the simplest, this is his lead paragraph. The simplest, most informative way to think about how America is experiencing Deion Sanders in this remarkable start to his career at Colorado is that he is unquestionably the most famous person to ever coach college football. The headline of the piece is Deion is most famous college football coach we've ever seen. And by that, you mean... Not that other coaches aren't famous, but, but other coaches famous are by football coaching. famous. Yeah. They're football famous. They're not famous people. Uh, Dabo Sweeney, Kirby Smart, not so much Nick Saban. He's been on TV a lot. Dabo Sweeney, Kirby Smart, both who have won multiple national yeah. championships, could walk through Central Park on a Thursday yeah, afternoon. Yeah, nobody would stop them. All the way through Central Park, and they would never be recognized no. by a single You're soul. Right. Deion Sanders couldn't walk five yards without being surrounded, mm-hmm. and he could 
parade through Central Park as the Pied Piper, much as he parades around Folsom Field an hour and a half prior to kickoff. Yeah. Uh, being greeted by fans who are, we are not worthy, <laughs> right. bowing to him <laughs> at the waist. And he, he loves all of it. He inspires that. He is a famous football coach. He is not a football coach who is famous simply because of football. Yeah, and that's an interesting point. And I think it does make it difficult when people start to look at the way he speaks and realizes, yes, some of it is clearly tongue-in-cheek, as you pointed out. Of course, you know, the do you have a mirror is what gets the little two-second clip on television, but it doesn't fully give you the the answer, and it looks pithy and, and arrogant if you want to look at it through that lens. But then but he goes not, on and he but does But you're not getting the, the whole answer. Right. And, and I want to go back to the one you, you gave because I have the entire quote here, and he's talking about the, the fact that he was actually asked specifically about the Buffs' comeback against the Rams. Yeah. And talked about how resilient his team was right. in, in not folding. Right. But I want to give you the quote that he, he, he gave there in, in its entirety. Quote, we don't want to get to that point where we have to be resilient. We want to get out to a great start. We have not played a complete game. We have not played a game with offense, defense, and special teams all showing up in the same manner. If the offense is playing well, the defense is hot garbage. If the defense is playing well, the offense is horrible, and special teams aren't special. We have to put it all together to to be able to defeat a team like Oregon, end quote. But that, that is honest coach speak. Yes. Oh, it's not even coach speak. It's not even coach speak. Who says the defense is ever hot garbage? Well, that's or true. the special teams aren't. Spe- I mean, it, coaches. Well, don't, but it's the kind of authenticity that, that, that you have talked about. Yes. How Sean Payton and and yes. many of the NFL coaches will never speak Sean like Payton that. Sean Payton will never say. He'll say my defense is poor, hot garbage. That connects Deion Sanders with a younger audience because that's how young people. But talk. it doesn't. But hot it doesn't garbage. remove himself from it. He's no, not removing no, himself from no, that. He's aware no, he's the head coach no. and, and he's responsible and for it. Game, Specifically, we don't want to get to that point. We want to get game, up to a great start. We have not played a complete yeah. game. After a game, win or I suspect lose, he will always be positive. However, the later in the week it gets, coming off even a win on Saturday mm-hmm. night, the game was much closer than it going. ever should have been. He will make sure, not only the public, but his own team, his players are aware it's not nearly good enough. You barely got by a team that most people would not rank in the top 100 out of the 133 FBS programs. They are probably, to be honest, even after that terrific performance against CU, I wouldn't rank them in the top 100. Now, they'd be close nope. to 100 than 130, we'll find which out. was not the case going into the game. Right. But And they found but, something with Fowler Nicolosi. They did. But, but we'll see. Yes. But Deion Sanders is aware and maybe even self-aware the fact that, yeah, they took Colorado State University lightly, maybe even especially after Jay Norvell said what Jay Norvell said. I, I heard a commentator on the Colorado football broadcast the other night say that, well, before Jay Norvell said what he said, 
This was exactly the kind of game I thought we'd get. Which you, you could almost hear through the radio produced uh, kind of cover your yep. mouth laughter what? from his colleagues. Was Colorado on favored the by 23 and a half points? Kidding. No one under any circumstances thought the game would be close. Now, yes, there were those who, after Norvell said what he said, thought, and I was one of them, that if they were going to win the game by 30 35, they'd maybe make it 45 to 50. Yeah. That turned out to be wrong, but it is also ridiculous to suggest that before Norvell made his comments, eight days ago that anybody thought this game was going to be close locally or nationally. CSU was a joke team coming into the game. Well, the buffs have their challenges there. They're ranked 122nd in yards per game allowed and 102nd in scoring defense. That's an issue. The other thing about Sanders quotes as the weeks go on, I think is interesting because he also reads the room. I think Dion is sort of priming the media pump to be able to say, look, they're not expected to win this game, yes. so don't not pile down on us. Game. We're not ready to win this yet. But they have a weapon that they have not before. He's still healthy. His name is Shadur Sanders, and, uh, well, he's a star. We'll talk a little bit about him next on Miley Sports. Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. Shadur Sanders, through three games, has 10 passing touchdowns. That's the same amount the Buffs had all last year. He had three 300-yard passing games this year, and will likely have another one on Saturday. Colorado had none of those all last year. The prolific nature of the CU offense has been pretty remarkable. He's top two in the FBS in per, in per game completions, attempts, passing yards, touchdowns, fourth in completion percentage, and that's why he's moved himself into the top five in the Heisman discussion as it stands today. The folks in Vegas who tracked that thing basically suggest that if CU were to beat either Oregon or USC the next week in Boulder, that he would become the favorite for the Heisman Trophy. And you are talking about a player who is quickly becoming an absolute star. Now, it's also worth noting the folks in Vegas have also watched what Shudder Sanders is doing and still instilled the... uh, three-point favorite, three-touchdown favorite to uh, Oregon. So keep that in mind. But his performance has been have been remarkable in the clutch. And at the very least, when you have the quarterback, you have a puncher's chance. Earlier this week, Stephen A. Smith had an opportunity to talk a little bit on their first take program about Shadur Sanders and what makes him a little bit different, what you've seen than other college quarterbacks, how he's a little bit more mature. Ladies and gentlemen, 
Shador is special. Oh, yeah, for sure. This brother is special. For sure. I'm not talking about Molly. We interviewed him. We talked mm -hmm. to him. We watch him play. We see the speed. We see the athleticism. Yep. We see the arm strength. I'm watching him look off coverage. Yes. I mean, he's doing stuff you don't see too many mm -hmm. college quarterbacks do. Mm -hmm. When he's... You hear about guys like, like he talks about how Tom Brady's going to text him after the game, right. talk to him after the game. You hear about people being mentored. Yeah. But it's one thing to hear it. It's another thing to visualize it. Go back and watch tape of Tom Brady. And then turn, of course, I'm not comparing yeah. the two. But watch your door, look off defenders, look in one direction, all of a sudden at the drop of a hat, throw it in yeah. another direction. He, the poise, the intellect, the athleticism, the arm strength, the moxie, the wanting the moment. Yes. First, uh, I don't mean to totally give Stephen A's game away, but you can tell when he's actually serious about something because he's not screaming. <laughs> that's how you can tell. And when, when he's you're seen doing the big stuff, that's he's not, seen him play in person. About, but I gotta make he's it seen sound him. important. Yeah, it's I know. a different but, thing. But, but when he's it's actually, also different when he's actually seen the guy play in person. Yeah, which he has, and and, yeah. and he has seen the guy in person now a couple times, and, and, and I, you realize that there is some remarkable ability to it. And I'll give you some further numbers, Sandy, about this. Um, when pressured this year, and by the way, he's pressured a lot. The Buffs have allowed pressure on forty-four percent of his dropbacks. <laughs> Nevertheless. He's completed 35 passes when pressured, which is the most in the FBS. And he's the only player in the last 10 years with at least 10 under-pressure completions in each of his last three games, in three straight. That's it. No quarterback at the FBS level in the last 10 years have completed more passes under pressure week after week than Shadur Sanders. 70% completion rate when pressured. 587 yards, seven touchdowns under pressure. It is remarkable how calm, cool, and collected he stays. And that includes the occasional cheap shot, one he got from the Rams' Camaro, which uh, got the Buffs much closer to when yeah, touchdown helped them clinch. But after delivering one himself earlier in the game. Yes. But yes, I, I mean, he, he's, he can give as good as he gets. Uh, he's been sacked a bunch this year. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the exact number is because it's uh, always somewhat unclear in college because they take the sack yardage away from, the yeah, from rushing, rushing yards, yards uh, rather than from passing yards. Yeah. Um, so the official it, tallies something. thus far have been 15. 15. But that's an that, average of five a game. That would have been my guess. Five a game? Five a game. And keep in mind, at Jackson State, and it was 23 yeah. all last year. Yeah. yeah. And uh, listen, uh, you know, every – Everybody who's watched CU knows that they have one particularly good offensive lineman, but that's really about it. And he was hurt last week. And that'd be he, Van Wells, their center. Well, and he's Wells, the guy I'm thinking. Of. Oh, okay. Savion Washington is by far their best offensive. Oh, all right, all right. Attack. by by far. And um, he made along with Shadur Sanders and Travis Hunter. Obviously, and there were others uh, who made the all transfer team put out by ESPN uh, today. Uh, I, he's extraordinary. He's getting sacked he's once every nine point one dropbacks. And yeah. it, it, Deion Sanders says few things that 
that are not somewhat calculated. And I think this is also part of maybe greasing the skids for a loss and maybe even two losses mm-hmm. to come in the next two weeks. And I think that's When happening. he talked about Travis Hunter this week, and he said, best offensive player and defensive player. Mm-hmm. And I don't just mean on this team. I mean in the country. He's the best offensive He's the player best, in yep. the country. Not Shadur Sanders. No one son. in the country can fill Travis Hunter's shoes. He's and one of a kind. One of a kind, right. And he is a better defensive player than Shiloh. Mm-hmm. Sanders he's their best, the defensive, best player. defensive player. And he's a better offensive, offensive player, player than Shadur Sanders. I don't other know side. about that, but I but I think you could make the argument it's one yeah. and 1A. Well, I, I, I don't think there's any question on this team that he's the best player. On offense he, and on defense. Now you can make an argument. He's the best player on the team without that, that, a doubt. Uh, you know he isn't the best offensive player in the country. I don't think. Uh, with all due respect to to Dion, you can make a case that on defense because yeah, he makes could. impact. Sure. That he's the best defensive player in the country. Mm-hmm. I think so. And the fact that he plays both ways makes him a Heisman candidate in a way that no one who is just a receiver or just a cornerback. Could ever be unless you're Charles Woodson, who also could do mm-hmm. some things on the other side of the did. ball. Yeah, right. While at uh, the University of Michigan, so uh, you know, the, the, his missing doesn't mean that you're without weaponry at the wide receiver position, but it still hurts them offensively. Having said that. It really hurts them defensively. And yeah. they are not with him, even with him, they are not even a good defensive team, much no. less a great one. I gave you those although, numbers just a little bit although ago. Although they do have some individuals, uh, transfers, mm-hmm. who are really, really good defensive players. And, and you know, apart from Travis Hunter, uh, listen, I think Trevor Woods is a good player. Shiloh Sanders is underrated, although if he keeps doing what he did not last be Saturday for long. night, he's not going to be underrated. He's very, very good. Yes. And then they have an efficient, uh, they have a, a good linebacker in Juwan Mitchell who racked up 15 tackles uh, in the game against the Rams. There is talent he's there. He's very good. And he's a graduate transfer. Mm-hmm. And there are, there is some opportunistic natures of this defense. The Buffs do have 10 takeaways. Six of those takeaways, Sandy have come within their own 25-yard line. Now, the result is it makes the defense look better than it has been. I talked about them being 122nd in yards per game allowed. But they have been opportunistic. And when their backs are up against the wall, they have been able to turn it up a notch. And not surprisingly, when you talk about, I mean, this is what you look about in football and a lot of sports, right? That's what really separates the stars from the good players and the good players from the average players. When you really need a play, when your back's up against the wall, that's where the Travis Hunters and the Shiloh Sanders of the world tend to shine. Uh, Trevor Woods has two interceptions. Both of his interceptions, by the way, are in the Buffalo's own end zone. I mean, that's I don't know how you can get much more clutch. So they do have guys that have made plays at the big times. But Hunter is the biggest of all of those, and he's going to be out. So, it, it, to me, it's fascinating. I think Sanders is going to put up another great thing because I don't actually think Oregon's defense is amazing. I think this is going to be a, 
a very high-scoring game. But on their own field, they are. But on their own they're field, they're, very they're significantly better. It is a tough, very tough place to play. Probably, I would say it's one of the top 10 most difficult, maybe even better than that, places to play Might on the road. Top five. Yeah, I mean, it's Austin is a tough, tough place to play. Um, the stadium itself is built to generate noise. I mean, it's just designed to do that. So it re- it is going to be difficult. But I, th- I think it's fascinating to watch what Deion Sanders has done. He is kind of making sure that it's been made clear that, hey, it we're 3-0, we're 19, that's great. So I'll let all you know, it would be a surprise if we won, just so you know, so not everyone freaks out and said it was all a mirage, it was all nothing, because it wasn't. This is a team that was projected to win 2.7 games. They've already won three. If they are the number 19 team playing on the road to the number 10 team, you can remove the records. You can remove the universities. Just number 19 playing at number 10. I'm going to tell you that it's probably the number 10 team that's supposed to win. A few of us were in Fort Worth to watch the opening game. You were one. And we uh, watched a hell of a lot of college football, starting with Thursday night. And I believe it was the Utah-Florida game, if I'm not mistaken, and it might have been another game, but um, Dan Mullen, the former Florida coach, right, is now a panelist. And you're talking about that that ESPN's opening week pre-game. when, yeah, yeah, Utah at home beat Florida twenty four eleven. Yep. And the two commentators were asked, Dan Mullen and um, Aho, I think the former lineman, NFL lineman. Okay. Um. Uh, were asked, and Danny can maybe help us out with that. Uh, both were asked, uh, over, under, three and a half, where do you go? And I said that he'd go over and explained his reasoning for going over. And as he's answering, Mullen's shaking his head. And basically, when it came his turn to volunteer an opinion, he, he all but said it goes without saying, I'm going under. That, that you can't put a team together this way and have immediate success. Whoops. Uh, no, we and, can't and, all get him right, can well, we? No, and he was proven wrong, but he was not alone. No. And you you made the point about 2.7. Well, 2.7, the last time I looked, is under 3. And that, was, that was during their analytics. That wasn't even like just, you know, uh, people Absolutely. with takes. That was now, what their math There were some people who acknowledged that they really had no idea and could not form an intelligent opinion. The range was too wide. Yeah, they could win six games. Yeah, they could win two games. Uh, they could win three games, four games, five games, whatever. But, you know, I, I think both of us thought the over was the way to go. But we weren't talking about six and six being anything more than the ceiling. Correct. Certainly not the floor. Correct. And the funny thing is I look at it, I'm – I'm still not sure that the ceiling has been raised to more than seven. Yeah, I, I, I don't think it is more than seven, actually. But he, here's the deal. And, you know, Dion hasn't spoken to this directly, but I think it's implied in some of the things he said. Yes, we've won three games. Yes, two of them have come against Power Five conferences. Mm-hmm. But the Pac-12, a conference that has had no CFP schools, since 2016, is so far in 2023, 21-4 against FBS competition. That's unbelievable. 
the Big Ten is 29 and 9. The SEC is 17 and 8. The Pac 12 is 7 and 3 against Power 5 schools. The SEC is 5 and 7 against Power 5 schools. I rest my case. It isn't even close. The Pac 12 is the best college football conference in America as we speak. It most certainly is. On this 21st day of September 2023. Deion Sanders' quote to the team after they won against the Rams uh, may prove a little bit prescient. He said, ultimately, we won, but that's not indicative of who we are. We underachieved. I don't know how it happened because we work our butts off. You have some of the best coaches in the nation, I feel, but you still took it for granted. I want you guys to understand understand this moment because we could be on the other side. Well, they may be on the other side of it this weekend. What would that mean? The Denver Broncos would like to be on the other side of what they've been on, and that would be a win. But, whoo, it's not Oregon, but at the NFL level, it's pretty close. The explosive Miami Dolphins will host the Broncos. We'll take a look. And the Broncos' injury situation, which might further hamper their chances next on Miley Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Welcome back to the show. We had Chris Thomason with the Denver Gazette join us yesterday to talk about the Broncos and give us the, the latest. Well, uh, from out at Dove Valley today, uh, Chris pointed out that during, you know, at practice, uh, Justin Simmons did not play again today at practice, hip at uh, the hip injury keeping him out. Mike Purcell, ankle injury was out. Uh, Frank Clark is still out with hip his hip injury. He won't play. Frank Clark yeah. will not play. And Vance Joseph at least believes, the defensive coordinator, that Justin Simmons uh, might not play on Sunday. That is um, a, a, now, it's did, a big it, problem. The, uh, he had a training camp injury, right, Simmons? Mm-hmm. Briefly, yeah. But I mean, he missed a lot of time, mm-hmm. a lot of practice time. Missed practice time. And, and yeah, so it's... What was that injury? Do you remember? Uh, I don't. I'd, I'd have to look it up. Is it I, the I same injury now? Do we know. Yeah, I'll try to find that one out. But uh, if he is obviously... If it's the same injury, they're in trouble. Because in that case, you have to assume he has not been recurring. great in the first two games. Yeah, and he, he's been he playing hasn't. hurt the whole time. Yeah, and that, that would be... And he's been... He's been a reasonable presumption. A That's entirely possible. Uh, it was a groin injury in training camp. Okay, he missed, a, he missed yeah. a couple weeks. Now this is a hip. So those I think are are probably different. Okay. But but I but I I think your point still stands because I think Simmons has been subpar. Oh, and, and definitely may, been subpar, and may not be entirely healthy. He missed two weeks of practice during training with the with the groin, By and the now way, he's got the hip. Is there any such thing no, as knows? the Mile High Sports coverage? There is not. Don't even mention it. I, no, I have one here in the studio. I know. There's no I, curse. It just occurs to me no. that Patrick Sertan, no curse. the second, is on the cover. No. And he has not played well not a curse. by his standards, certainly in the first two. No, there's not a curse because our previous issue was the golf issue. Yeah. And it, we, 
in which Bruce Brown was on the cover. Bruce Brown was on the cover. And, uh, and Bruce they Brown won got the title. very rich. And inside yeah. our page one story was on Wyndham Clark, who, won the who US then Open. went on to the U.S. Open. And then inside that was our friend Romy Bean, who was then promoted to lead sports anchor over at CBS well, News was Colorado. The Colorado Sportscaster of the Year. Right. So, no, there is no Mile High Sports no, curse. No. No. Curse. No. Okay. no. No curse. So, we we can't blame this one on Ottawa. No. Who makes the decision on the cover, I believe. Correct. Yes. Of course. Correct. Yes. Absolutely. So uh, but I, but I, I, I am perfectly willing to blame Ottawa for most anything <laughs> that goes wrong in Denver sports. Because Mile High Sports as a magazine covers everything. Everything. From the preps uh, to oh, yeah. the colleges. Uh, as a matter of fact, the magazine you're and holding, large. as a matter of fact, yeah. even has our uh, the best of high school preps in, in it as well. It's football and, from right. pro college and preps. But we got the pros. Football issue. We got the preps. Yeah. We got the colleges. All of, all of them. And we... Pay attention to that at my high sports magazine. Even, even a roundtable discussion that I had with uh, Eric Goodman and yes. Cody Rourke, in which, once again, like the roundtable discussion I had with uh, Drew Creaseman and Anilo Piro in the baseball you, issue, you were I was right. considered to be the Debbie Downer. Right. You were proven right. Well, I, 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 prefer, see, I, I prefer the term prophetic. I, I know what you're going to say before Just you said it. Yeah. I know, know you're going to sing yourself out as having been right, yeah. and the other two as having yeah. been well, I mean, that's what we do in this wrong. business, right? Completely wrong. And then if I was wrong, I just sort of gloss over it and move along. I mean, that's, that's how Eric we do things. Is Eric still picking the Broncos to win 10 to 12 games as he not, did on our program a checked, few months ago? But I'm thinking probably not. Probably not. Probably the, especially here's now. this. the You even had to dig into it more, Sandy, but we went over this a bit. The the expected points added, right? Yeah. Which is well, a great is, modern now stat. Now that you've introduced me to it. Great. And I knew of it before. But you, you did. You have convinced me. You have convinced me that it is my math a teacher would be so proud import yeah it, it is a, a and now i like yards per pass but i'll tell and you that's part EPA of this pa per drop back is now a metric being tracked week by week by the athletic and what they do is they take the quarterbacks individually mm-hmm. and the defenses collectively so the defenses are ranked by team the quarterbacks are ranked by individual and I hate to say it, though I'm not surprised to find this out, that on the basis of expected points added per dropback, Tua Tungavailoa is the <laughs> leading quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, And as you suggested no the other day with a different EPA stat, mm-hmm. it, two is far and away. Number yeah, one. It's not okay. close. The Denver Broncos defensively. Over the first two games, are 29th in the NFL in defensive EPA per dropback, mm-hmm. ahead of Chicago, ahead of Seattle, and ahead of the Chargers, who have been getting blitzed with the passing game in the first two games of the year. They, they've scored 58 points. They have not turned it over. They're 0 and 2. Only time this ever can't happened. Stop the other it's team the first from time passing. In history and. Not only did Tua outplay Justin Herbert, and Herbert hasn't been bad. Mm-mm. Herbert, by the way, is sixth in EPA per dropback. So he hasn't played badly, right? No. No. But Tua outplayed him in the opener, and Tannehill outplayed him the, the other day. And it wasn't because he played badly. It was because Tannehill had the best game he's had in yeah. at least two years uh, against the Chargers uh, this past weekend. And Tua 
of course, was 400 yards plus on, a, on an opening weekend in which few quarterbacks played very well. A uh, few quarterbacks. Now, it got a little better last week. Right. More quarterbacks played well last weekend. But in week one, hardly any quarterbacks played well. Tua was the exception. He was not only did he play well, he was spectacular. So the gap between Tua at number one on EPA per dropback and the Broncos defensively at number 29, I believe, is greater than any other gap between a quarterback and a defense in the week three NFL schedule. And they won't have Frank Clark, and they might not have Mike Purcell, and they might not have Justin Simmons, and are, now, they're I, already I, I, down Caden Stearns. I'll give you an example. Oh, boy. That, and it's the game tonight that's close. Purdy is eighth okay. in EPA per dropback. The Giants are 28th. You. But that's not as big a gap as 1 and 29. <laughs> we'll have a gap tonight, and that's why the 49ers are favored by more than 10 points. And, of course, the Giants are have, uh, will have no way to protect Daniel Jones because no. Andrew Thomas, yeah. their star left tackle, will not play in the game tonight. So for those who uh, engage in such things, you probably were already picking – San Francisco straight up, but you might want to consider giving the ten and a half. I, yeah, it's like I, I appreciate you know you've been at this for a while and you've been at this at a certain location. When your instinct is to dance around it, we can just say, "What are you betting tonight?" That's right. Yeah, let's talk. Right. I mean, yeah. If you were no, you don't so have to dance inclined. around it. Yeah, come if on you now. So inclined. Now I'm not saying it's the best game of the weekend to bet because I, I don't like even looking at games in which one side or the other is favored by double digits yeah, in the NFL, yeah, in the NFL, yeah, in the NFL, agreed. college football, maybe, although when it gets to be 20 or more, like what we talked about yesterday, Oregon and CU is more than 20, but I, I, I'm not going to go near that game. I have no, I, I have no idea. It, it could be 42 to 20 and be a reasonably competitive game. And Oregon wins. What are they? Twenty-one point favorite, you said. 21? Yeah, twenty-one. Yeah, it's so. So side. if they win by twenty-two, they win. But it might be a competitive game. And on the other hand, it might be forty to twenty, and be a blowout. Uh, you know, it's forty to ten, and with still not five hit that uh, over under seventy-one. And yet, CU plus twenty-one wins. Right. So I, I have no idea. But on this game tonight, I'd, I'd at least reconsider. I initially underlined the Giants. But I'm beginning to think San Francisco might be but, I mean, think, good for an 11-point victory or, or better than that, actually. You talked about that gap. I'll give you a scarier one, and we'll just zoom out. Let's just do expected points added per play. Just per play. Rush, pass, indifferent, anything else. You talked about those Chargers, right? First team ever to score 50-plus points, have no turnovers, and still be 0-2. Right. They are allowing Incredible. a .21 expected added points per play. In other words, every time someone runs a play against the Chargers, right. they are getting two-tenths of a point. A fifth of a point. To .21, to be precise. That is dead More last in the league. More than a fifth of a point. Dead last in the league, as you expect. You know who's 31st? The Denver Broncos. Yeah. You know what the difference right. is? Right. .01 points. That's how bad they've been. To make I, that worse, I wish. Here's you the know points what? per play. If there were some good stats, we'd mention them. As far as the Broncos are concerned, they're just aren't. Andy, the Dolphins' EPA per play offensively of point two six is one. 
we're talking about, by that metric, the number one offense versus the number 31 defense. Or if you want to simplify it, every four plays that the Miami Dolphins run is a point on the scoreboard. See who has a better chance to win in Eugene than the Broncos have to win in Miami. Oh, boy. Well, we're going to leave it at that. Yuck. Okay. Well, fortunately, uh, we can talk about a, well, presumably better team. The Colorado Avalanche have gotten camp going. Uh, by the way, preseason starts on Sunday for the Avs. They don't fool around. Yeah, it comes quick. They have three games next week. The Avs are underway. And so training we'll talk to, training uh, camp is yeah. what? 10, 12 days? And that includes, in total, the, it includes the preseason there's games. only a three-day yeah. lead-up to the first game. The Avs Thursday, hit the ice Friday, yesterday. Saturday. Yep, right. they had the ice yesterday for the first time. Back on it today, we're going to talk to our friend Kyle Fredrickson for the Denver Gazette about the latest on the Avalanche next on Mile High Sports. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.